everyone. I hope you're having an amazing day. You know, a lot of people ask me about creativity and innovation, and they feel like you know that's the realm of artists or people who somehow have some magical talent they don't have. And I wanted to explore that conversation today. So today I have a guest on, my great friend Fatima Donaldson, and Fatima is a creative in the different facets that she works in. So hi, Fatima, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no, no thanks for being here. So, just so that um, we can get uh, our listeners um, in tune, so tell us uh, what do you do today? Well, today I am. I do a lot of things. I wear many hats, um, all in creative type of roles because that really is where I excel at. Um, I'm a fine arts photographer and a photography instructor. I'm also a creative consultant for businesses. My tagline with that is the creative minds with business sense. So I understand how businesses work and we incorporate um, creative plans um, to help businesses achieve their goals. I'm also a creative director of of an artist collective called the Art Nexus. And then last but not least, I am also an artist mentor and um, I thrive to inspire and empower artists. I know I've had uh, some struggles and a long journey to get to where I am today. And I feel like if I can inspire and empower some artists to get there sooner versus later, um, then I am happy to do that. And just having been in the creative world for over 30 years, um, which is kind of hard to believe because I'm barely 30 myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh, Stu. That's not nice. Um, it's um, I've, I've, I've learned a lot and sometimes the hard way, um, but um, I like to be able to be connected to artists and help them get there a little bit faster, sooner, and um, help them be successful so they can be creating and you also have a studio in Houston, right? Yes, I do. I have actually I have two uh, galleries. I have one that is um, for my work, Fatima Donaldson Photography, and um, that is in the silos in Studio Two Seventeen. And then just around the corner, I have a gallery um, for the Art Nexus artists, and that is also in the silos in Studio Two Twenty Three. Yeah. So for any listeners in Houston, go down to the silos at Sawyer Yard and. Check out Fatima's gallery. Um, I've seen. Yeah, some... every Saturday, every Saturday, uh, every second Saturday of the month, we have open studios um, from twelve to five p.m. and it's a collective. Sorry, ours is a collective of about five or six artist buildings. We've got over close to four hundred artists and um, their studios and galleries represented um, in the collective group of buildings, and it's just a lot. I mean, if you love art and food. It's a great place to go. Um, masks are required, of course, and social distancing practices are what, in place. No wine? You just mentioned art and um, food. If you're drinking outside, we cannot have food and wine <laughs> in buildings because we've got uh, we've got masks. But um, I mean, I can't, I don't know what's happening in our storage closet in our gallery, but um, you know, there might be a, a wine pour back there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. look the other way. <laughs> The last but time I was down there, outside, yeah, so that's that's safe. Uh, you know, people are outside eating and and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's something definitely a lot of fun to come and enjoy um, a, a Saturday afternoon 
especially when the weather's nice. It's it's really nice to just get out and about and look at, at art. The buildings inside, no food and beverages, but outside, you know, you can step outside and as you're strolling from one building to the next, um, grab some food and, and a glass of wine. There's a couple of breweries down there too. So if you're a beer drinker, that's there as well. Yeah, I saw that. Saw that. So you know mm-hmm. what we'll do? I'll dro- I'll go ahead and drop a link in the in the show description, show notes. So I'll get a link so it's they won't have to remember all of this. They could just go down in the show notes and click on the link and check it out. All right. Great. So yeah, so it sounds like you know you you don't just do artistic stuff, but you also help businesses from a creative perspective. I I know some of your work in marketing and things like that. And you're also a mentor, but let's go back a little bit. Um, You know, it is this creativity, is it something that you've always felt a natural pull to? Or when did you figure out that you enjoyed creative work? I think probably, you know, when I um, took a photography class in junior high school, and it was probably the first time I felt that uh, surge that you get of when you create something. Um, we had create, we made these shoebox cameras, and then we were taught all of these things back in the day, dark room. And it was just this incredible, tangible, um, hands-on process. And it was just very exciting. So once I went through that, I was hooked on one photography, but two on being a creative. And and I love that that I can I can make something. I love that. So I think probably that was the early, you know, if I was to say this is what I remember as being the first time I felt that surge of of creativity. Now that was back you know, many decades ago, like I said, it was in the film days. Uh, only, so that's dating myself only a little 2. bit. Only 2.9 decades, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, 2.9. Um, but, um, you know, I think I probably was definitely influenced by my grandmother who uh, raised me. I was born in Portugal and I was raised by my grandmother and she was an extremely resourceful person. At the time, there was a lot of unrest in the country and um, times were really tr- tough. So, you know, they say that necessity is the mother of invention. And I think she definitely was, you know, the grandmother of invention because she was really, really incredible at being resourceful. And I remember going out on walks with her. Nothing was ever of waste. You know, we would pick up pine cones, get the pine nuts out, and we would use the pine cones in the wood burning stove that would heat the house. And so, you know, everything had a purpose and everything could be used for something that you don't think of. So I think I probably got my first um, training of thinking outside the box from her. And then when I came to the States, I lived with my parents and my dad was a carpenter by trade. Um, I'm the youngest of five girls. So I was my dad's token son. And I learned how to lay brick and pour concrete and rebuild engines and do all this thing. So everything with the hands and just being able to you know, really get your hands into something and create or remake or repurpose things. You know, um, I've seen this connection as well. I think that the more experience someone has, it it does facilitate more of this, what we call out-of-the-box thinking, because mm-hmm. I think there are connections that are getting made between, you know, if you only have one experience, 
I'm not sure how you can extrapolate. But if you have two experiences, you can extrapolate mm-hmm. to now a third new thought. And yeah, that's and with one experience, of, with experience, you know, you get to remove fear, right? Because the first time you do something, that's the most fearful time. But the second time, you have a little bit less fear, and the third time, you have even less fear, and it starts to um, to go further down. That fear lowers and lowers and lowers. So I think the more experiences you're able to have, I think the more fear you're able to put away. Also struggles and and obstacles. So the first time you're doing something, you might have a lot more obstacles because you have a lot of unknowns. But the second, third, fourth time, all of a sudden it becomes more familiar. It's like a muscle you're developing and making it stronger and stronger. So I think those two factors are, are things that I incorporate a lot when I'm doing my creative consulting and my art mentoring is removing the struggles, obstacles, and fears and re and shifting them in different definitions of removing the negative label that they they typically have for people and understand that they're just part of the process and just moving through the struggles as as it's just a task. It's another task. Some tasks are so much fun. Like you tell me I'm, I'm going to go do a photo shoot uh, next month and I'm, I'm going to South Carolina and shooting out in the beach. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. That's a great task, right? I'm super excited about it. Part of that is having to lug my gear through the airport TSA during COVID. Not a fun task, right? So some people would take that obstacle and then go, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to end up doing the shoot, you know, so just removing the obstacles and re, re, redefining how you view those tasks. Yeah. I mean, you know, this thing about just going off and not viewing it as a negative experience, but just doing it and looking at it as a learning experience. It's what we call growth mm-hmm. mindset. And I think, you yeah. know, one of the things that, that you talked about here just a minute ago, which I think is really valuable is a lot of people don't try to explore creativity because of that fear. And, and, and I think you just summarized one way to get past that struggle, which I think a lot of people have, which is, you know, don't look at it as an opportunity to fail. Look mm-hmm. at it as an opportunity to learn and get better. So that, that's amazing. So while we're yeah, on it, and it's really about growing, it, you know, it, it's really about growing. So if you don't look at it like as as a failure, if, if you've learned something and it's been it's enabled you to grow, whether you do anything with it from that point forward, it's that's almost irrelevant. If it's if you've been able to grow, that's going to just be an added thing in your tool belt of the next thing that you're going to pursue. And the more tools we have, the better equipped we are to do the task at hand. Right. Knowledge is a tool, but then skill sets are also tools and capabilities and confidence. Those are all tools that are really important to have in the tool belt as well. So I happen to know, well, I don't want to say the end of this story because I I mean, I I know (laughs) that you're pretty successful today, but, you know, bridge bridge for us the difference between when you first took that photography lesson and you thought, hey, this is, I, I enjoy creating. I, I'm, a, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a creator. What are some of the struggles that you've had to overcome to get where you are today? Well, I think probably, you know, when I was um, pursuing photography, I took it in junior high and in high school, I had one college level um, 
photography contest was when I was in high school and that was like a great achievement. And I was just, you know, flying high, like, wow, I'm going to be this rock star photographer. And then everything, the world around me was, that's not a real profession, especially for a female back in those days, it definitely was a man's world and a, and a man's profession. And I don't mean that from a sexist thing. It just was what it was. Right. And, um, and it was just the type of thing where it was like, you're not really going to make any money off of it. And, you know, that's not anything that's going to be a successful career. And I, and we also didn't have the same kind of exposure to things that we do now with the internet. You know, if you didn't know somebody that was a photographer, it was hard to know of photographers unless you went and really explored it. I learned of Ansel Adams and all of the greats in books, but they were so far removed from me being able to actually even connect to some people that were doing it successfully. We're now on the internet, you know, I can tap into Scott Kelby and Joe McNally and I've worked with both of them and they're both, you know, um, highly recognized in the industry they are ambassadors and you know they hold the highest prestige in in the photography world and and now I, I can actually connect to these people that are very successful in today's time where when I was starting off in photography you didn't have that connectability you know I, I couldn't really get to Ansel Adams back in those days um, so you know I think that was one of the struggles right is access um, to people. I think now we can kind of remove some of those struggles. Um, the other thing too, is just that it was not being encouraged. You know, I, everything around me was telling me, no, this isn't like you do it, go get this safe job. And it was, I did very well in accounting. So that was kind of what I was starting to pursue. Although I never actually had an accounting gig. Um, I always had my hand in marketing because it always had me connected to something creative. I was always able to use, you know, my creative mind in, um, in whatever arena I was working in, whether I was selling shoes, selling makeup, selling exhibit space, selling memberships for a nonprofit, you know, whatever it is, I was always using my creative mind in, in those roles. So it was really more about just trying to find a job that let me do that full time. <laughs> you know, that was probably one of my big struggles. Um, and then also just um, access to, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't raised in this environment where my parents understood an artist, even though my dad technically is an artist, he was a carpenter by trade. Um, it So it was, like just not really um, in, in nurtured in in that like hey you know you can go and and do these classes and go do this and and that it was more of just like oh okay that's nice that you're you've got you you can do crafts you know so a lot of times it was more categorized as like oh you're so craftsy or artsy fartsy was one of the things that I got called a lot, right? Oh, you're so artsy fartsy. Is your, was, so is, if you've been called artsy fartsy, you're definitely creative. Is your dad, um, was your dad, uh, was was he born in Portugal and then he came over here before you? Yeah, he was He was born in Portugal and he was actually sponsored by John Heckinger who um, owned Heckinger Lumber. And um, so he worked for Heckinger's for many years, and then they they moved back to Portugal. I, I think there's but, something about immigrant families. My family's the same way. My dad and my uncles would always say, the, the, the question they always had at the end of every discussion is, 
well, can you make money doing that? And if the answer yeah, was no, then it was like, and, and, you bad know, they, idea. They definitely, they definitely imparted that in me uh, because I do. And that's where I work really well with businesses because I, as an artist, I can create art. Um, but then I also have a very strong business mind and I understand how businesses work. Uh, so I'm able to really uh, merge those two elements together pretty nicely, uh, where a lot of times artists don't, that's where a lot of my art mentoring is, is really helping them shape their art business and understanding the business aspect of how to run an artist business um, versus teaching them how to be successful watercolor painters. Cause I I'm, I'm amateur at that. Right. So I'm not teaching them techniques of their artistry. I'm teaching them techniques of how to run a successful artist business and mentoring them and, getting them tapped into those types of things. But um, back to, you know, the conversation of struggles, I think probably the biggest thing was just being able to find um, the place where I felt like I was going to be able to do my piece full time. And, and that's when I um, left, I was actually working at Compaq at the time and left and just uh, started my advertising agency. And that's where I, I spent uh, 18 years just doing marketing consulting for um, corporate clients. And I guess, you know, gosh, it's probably been about 10, 12 years. I always was hiring the photographer, but I always in my heart wanted to be the photographer at the photo shoots. So um, I finally just went back. I did a summer um, intensive course, 13 weeks straight, seven days a week. Um, doing a digital photography, learning how everything I've learned in film translates over into digital. And um, from there, just never looked back. Been doing um, commercial photography, travel photography, fine art photography. I don't do weddings. But um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I think being able to find your place. And I think probably, you know, again, I, I look back and Reflection's a really great thing, I think, for everybody to take some time to reflect on. And, you know, we use the word struggle. And, and I think while I was going through it, it did feel like struggles. But now that I reflect back, I'm very appreciative of those struggles and those tasks because they really equipped me well to be where I am today. Had I not had uh, the experience of working a lot of those jobs, I wouldn't have gotten the knowledge and exposure to so many um, different types of businesses that now when I go in and consult in all these different industries, I actually have understanding of how those businesses work. Yeah. So let me kind of recap what I've heard so far early on, you're a female and you're being told, yeah. And you want to pursue I'm still a female. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> true. For those for the record, she's still a female. Uh, so you're a female and you're, wanting to pursue something that the people around you think, well, that's not a very, you know, lucrative career, but right. it just seems like one of the things that you did to overcome that is it's literally just courage. It's just the courage to say, you know what, I I'm going to do it. Uh, so you start, yeah. so you start doing that. Later, you open your own and business. And I really did. I, I really did pursue the photography thing after 40. That's I mean, I always was shooting pictures, but I wasn't I wasn't getting hired as a photographer until after I went back and did the digital thing. Yeah. I my ad agency, I had um, a photographer that, you know, I was always hiring photographers to come and do the gigs. 
So, you know, even though I, I knew how to do it, I still had to be the art director, the creative director on the projects. I was not the photographer because I didn't feel well equipped. And because I didn't think that that was what it was, that I was going to be the best option for that. You know, I just kept on bringing in other people. So it wasn't really until I went back and did that summer intensive program for 13 weeks and that I got the confidence you know, to really do that. And, you know, a lot of this is uh, what we're talking about today. I say I, but really, you know, whatever journey you're on, it's about the team that you have around you. And, and I have to always give a lot of credit to my family because my husband's always been a big um, supporter of anything that I do. Like I'm going to Africa for three weeks, honey. Okay. (laughs) You know, or I'm going to do, I'm going to do the grand circle in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and uh, Nevada for a month. I'll see you, you know, and uh, you know, he's, he's been a real sport and my kids, you know, my husband and my kids at the time, they sat me down and they said, if, you know, you don't have any reason, you don't have any excuses um, to not go do this. Uh, summer intensive program. You got to go live in Montana for 13 weeks, but you're, you know, if you want to do it, if you don't do it, it's because you choose not to. So they opened up all that for me. They really forced me to not be able to hold on to whatever little excuses I was doing to procrastinate the next step. So I think that's really, really important because sometimes we are our own struggle, right? We are our own obstacle. Um, and having a good team behind you to really help um, remove some of those obstacles so that, you know, maybe you are confronted with like, oh, crap, this is really on me now. Right. Yeah, I think if you're, you're <laughs> yeah, I think if you're already hesitant, it, having unsupportive people around you, just that's just that just pushes you over the top. But I mean, in terms right. of saying no, but I think right. if you're on the fence and you have a really supportive you know, um, family and, and friends around you, that, that could be the difference in, in moving yeah, forward. That's, yeah. That's the whole shift right there, you know? Um, so yeah, being able to have a really good support team that you can, that really is going to encourage you and help you get to the next level and, you know, buy in with what, whatever that plan is that you've got. I think that that's really, really important. So I think, you know, if I reflect back on the junior high and high school, I didn't have a supportive team promoting me. You know, I I won these really prestigious accolades for my age and, and everything and was well recognized, but I didn't have that team to really, you know, help lift me to that next level. And so I think when I came and revisited it when I was 40, you know, uh, obviously I was a little more confident. I was um, more stable. And I had that team. And I think all of those factors really coming together really um, made the shift and, you know, really, really helped catapult me to where I am today. So I never want to be shy of not including the value of a strong team, because I really do think, you know, especially if you're an artist, we work in silos, we work very individually and independently, and we tend to like being loners. Um, And so it really is important to have a good team, one, to help motivate and encourage and keep you positive, but two, also, you know, accountability. My husband does come to me at times and says, so, how are sales going at the gallery, (laughs) you know? And, and so it's like, oh, okay. It's good to have somebody reminding you that this is a business and this is something that you need to be paying attention to and and that kind of stuff. Um, And also just take interest 
um, uh, in something that you're passionate about too. Yeah. Fatima talked about going to Africa and then going to that loop in Utah and Arizona. And let me tell you, I've seen one of my most favorite pictures, and I think it's probably yours too, is the elephant picture. And if you guys, you guys are just going to have to go out onto her website and check it out. This is an amazing picture. Um, of a, a, it's just a, and and you do it in like this black and white, but it's this elephant and just a tree, and that's all you see, and it's it's just this phenomenal picture. And then of course you've got some great pictures of Antelope Canyon. So, Thanks. um, yeah, Thanks. I yeah it's it. beautiful. Um, you know, by the way, some of the math isn't working out for me because you keep talking about when you were forty, but um, but I thought you were twenty nine, so I I don't know what what's going on there, but. Listen, <laughs> I'm encouraging you to be creative with your numbers, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me ask you this too. So you talked about going off and taking this photography class and you know, and then in my mind there's always this bridge between creativity in terms of just, you know, you, you hear people say having an eye for photography or mm-hmm. uh, here's my favorite thing because I, I I probably take one or two pictures that people think are 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 um, pleasant to look at and when people look at them they go oh that's such a great picture you must have a great camera and, and you know I yeah. love that because I felt like looking at them and saying you know yeah because Gordon Ramsay's a great chef because he has a great stove yeah you know it, yeah it, it kind of well his knife set is really what oh makes yeah okay right <laughs> but but come back to that there are people who believe that this realm of the creative is some magic pixie dust so what how how can somebody who feels that they don't have this creative spark how can they produce creative work Well, I think first and foremost, I think everybody should know that creativity is actually an innate thing that every single person has. You know, everyone can be creative and you can be creative in all different kinds of things. People think creative, you know, a lot of times what we're familiar with um, creativity is in an artistic world. Right. And all of a sudden it's like creativity belongs to artists. Well, Artist is a very broad stroke. You know, if we're talking about being abstract, artist is a very broad stroke because you can be an artist with numbers. You know, there's culinary arts, there's performing arts, there's um, visual arts, but then there's also accounting, which can be very artful in the way that you do numbers and the but, way but you not put Enron, that, you know, But not Enron creative, right? No, not, not that kind of creative. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at budgets, Right. And you look at um, spreadsheets and stuff like that. Sometimes the way that, you know, I I work with corporate clients. And so I will look at some uh, budgets and spreadsheets and I've got to understand what all of that looks like. And I can tell you that there are some people that they're working on on spreadsheets, but I can tell that they're very creative individuals because the way that they are presenting the information and the way they've taken an additional step into trying to show and create something in a different way that makes it more, um, it facilitates everybody being able to connect to it in a much easier way. Yeah. In that example, it's, it's a difference between presenting data versus presenting insightful, useful information. Exactly. And so one of the, one of the uh, processes that I use, whether I'm working with a, um, business, a corporation, 
where I'm working with an artist and helping mentor them and, and inspiring individuals, you know, I kind of take a four, four step approach. So, you know, it's, I always say, you know, be the gardener, right? A gardener has a seed, he comes up with a plan, he plants it and he grows it. And so if you follow that simple step of the seed, this is where you get information and you have ideas. That's your seed, right? So you have an idea for something or you get information about something. You're like, hmm, that's interesting, right? Then you take it and you say, okay, what could I possibly do with this seed, right? So if if you just take an exact garden, for an example, right? You have, you say, oh, I like the seed. Well, you know, I'm gonna go and and, make a garden. You know, I really like roses and gladiolas and irises and, oh, you know, a climbing rose bush would be beautiful. And well, I have to have calla lilies because I love calla lilies. And, you know, there would be nice to have a bird bath over there and maybe a little swing and gosh, even like a koi pond. And, you know, and you see how like within seconds you start visualizing and kind of creating what you might think that this whole thing looks like right so i tell people take your information get printer paper white sheets of paper and just start writing all of that stuff down don't start thinking about how you're going to do it right now we're just throwing it up on the board right we're just getting all of those ideas that's where we're allowing our imagination to breathe and to to just really uh, nurture and grow. Then from imagination, we go to creativity. This is where we're going to actually make it happen. And, you know, in my studio, I have a sign over my desk and it is a 20 inch square. That is just the definition of the word create. I'll read it to you. It's to bring into existence, to give rise to, to produce through imaginative skill, to bring about by a course of action or behavior, build, make, compose, imagine, invent. That is create. And creativity is just an extension of that. It's the action of creating. And so when we go through that step and we're in creativity, this is where we come and we're starting to plan. So we've got the imagination of the plan of the things that we want, and we're going to start planting. Now, can we do all of this that we put on that piece of paper at once? No. Typically, unless you've got an independent, you know, you're independently wealthy and you have an exuberant amount of resources that can do it for you in a week, this is probably something we're going to have to create in phases, which is totally fine. And in, in the business world, it's very typical to do, you know, a three phase uh, approach to something. And same with anything else that you need to do. A lot of times, if you have to do it all at once, nothing gets done. But if you break it up into little pieces, you can actually start getting this piece done, this piece done, this piece done. So if you say, okay, well, you know, here's what I can do. I'm going to go do this section of the garden. I'm going to do the climbing rose bush and I'm going to do the swing and I'm going to plant the gladiolas and the calla lilies over here. In phase two, that's maybe where we do the koi fish pond and we bring in some other elements in. And in phase three, we do something else, right? And so then we go, oh, wow, here's our garden. It's 
it looks amazing, right? Because now we've gotten into phase three. And in all of those phases, after phase one, we're going to go to innovation. That's the last step. We're looking at how are we building this? And when we start to in, uh, incorporate phase two, we're going to see how can we do this in an innovative way. Now that we're seeing the live version of phase one, it's done. How, how does phase two connect to that? And can we do it in a more innovative way than maybe how we did phase one? And we leverage that and we grow on it. So much like a garden, you have the seeds, you come up with a plan, you plant and you grow. If you grow successfully, you get new seeds. And those seeds, you can grow your garden even broader. Okay, this works for artists. This works in the corporate realm. It works just about in any industry. You know, as you I've applied it to. As you were going through this description, using your garden as the example, I used to run a business intelligence group, and the the constant struggle. Everybody that worked for me, they were data analysts, so they were Mm -hmm. very analytically minded folks, and they kept producing data. And the struggle they would tell me is. They just didn't feel they were very creative. But as you went through this process of the garden, um, I was thinking back to this group that I used to manage, and I thought, you know what? This would absolutely work. I mean, it, it, it really mm-hmm. does, you know? So it, it's a process that seems to, to help if you, you know, it's to this, what I'm hearing you saying is creativity you know, or, or the, this realm of the artist, it's not some magic pixie dust that some people either have it or you don't, but a a process helps. And this four-step process that you've outlined sounds, sounds great. Yeah, it, it really helps a lot. And also too, you know, it, it also gives you a plan and it gives you direction. Sometimes people get, you know, people are strong. It's like these four steps are like muscles, right? And so depending on what you use a lot is going to be your strongest muscle. So if you're a person who's constantly collecting information and ideas, so if you're that data analyst, they spend, their muscle is super strong on getting information. Well, in order for that muscle to be super strong, they've kind of neglected some of the other muscles, right? So it's just about developing the other muscles as well and saying, okay, you know, so, you know, incorporating some um, processes into their job description, so to speak, to help promote imagination and creativity. You know, it's, it's sometimes something as simple as adding some additional tasks that they have to do. And at first they're not going to do it very well. Right. But um, but once they keep doing it and and it's it's reworked and like what we said earlier, you know, experiences. Right. The first time is a little bit harder, but then it gets easier as you go through more and more experiences. So sometimes it's just about incorporating certain tasks that help promote that imagination and creativity. Right. I, I see so many I work with so many corporate clients and they're always using the word innovative you know we want to do this in an innovative way but they don't have anything incorporated in their job descriptions and in the tasks that they ask their employees um, to be innovative you know and if you're going to be the head of the business you and be a leader you have to make sure those things are integrated in as well so you know some things are apparent and other things you know you might need to bring somebody like me in to help you create some creative tasks that help um, incorporate those things into you know job tasks for 
positions that typically are not um, creative. Yeah, you know, it's in in another talk that I do, it's about um, how we learn if you want to create your own development plan. And Mm -hmm. I always encourage people to create what we call a 70-20-10 development plan, where in order for any skill or ability, 10% of how you learn is academic. It's like reading a book or taking a class. Mm -hmm. 20% is through mentors, you know, um, but then 70% of how you actually gain ability is to just, like you said so many times on this chat, go get a job or a task that practices this new knowledge that you gain. So the, the big mistake I see a lot of people make, they think, if I just take the class, boom, I'll be a great photographer. No, that's mm-hmm. just 10% of the of the learning yeah. journey. You know, mm-hmm. you need mentors and you need to practice it. So let me kind of wrap up this chat a little bit. So what I've heard so far is, you know, you started out um, with a passion for photography. One of the struggles that you had is people around you just saying, yeah, no, you're not going to make any money. But you had the courage to kind of push through that, right? And say, mm-hmm. you know what? Um, I I am going to go try to create my own business. I'm going to go do my own photography. Uh, the other struggle or, or the other thing that helped you was just a supportive family, you know, people around Mm -hmm. you who support what you're doing. And then the third thing is you, you do need knowledge. I mean, all art takes technique. Ansel Adams, the, the images that he produced, you know, there is so much technique there. There, There is mechanical technique there as mm-hmm. well, you know? So you, you do need to go get knowledge, um, you know, and then- And finally, perseverance. Well, yeah. Well, well, well that's that's <laughs> it, right? I mean, that's yeah. underlying all of this, I think, is this notion mm-hmm. of just a growth mindset that says, tr- all we can do is try and learn from our mistakes. But mm-hmm. then finally, then apply a process, apply a process to being, to producing innovation, to being creative and producing innovation. Mm-hmm. So no, that that's great, great Absolutely. insights and great advice. And I, I would also just highly recommend people redefine uh, words like fear, failure, obstacles and struggles, because I think um, sometimes they're scared. They're, you know, the fear and, and the fear of failure. You know, I, I have people that sometimes say, well, you know, I'm not a good photographer. And I say, you're not a good photographer right now. You know, but if it's something that you work on and you practice, you will become better. I mean, that's a guarantee. Yeah. Stop comparing yourself (laughs) to others, you you know, and and you'll be much happier. I I love this exercise that I heard the other day and I just thought, wow, it's so great. You know, if, if you take a room of adults, and you say, you know, who who's a good singer who can sing? You know, maybe one or two people raise their hands and, and who's a good painter? Maybe one person raises their hands. Right. But if you ask a child, you know, who's a good singer or who's a good painter? They're like, oh, I'm a good painter. I paint. And and you ask them who's a good singer. They all raise their hands. Oh, I'm a great singer. And they, they'll even start singing for you. You know, and so if you want to pursue anything in the creative world, I always encourage people, be a child, allow yourself to be free, like a child would say, and believe that you are good, you know, have that child spirit that like, I'm a good painter, because you haven't started judging. Yeah, I, I think, that's you know, it. as people... we get older, we start judging, we start labeling, we yep. start defining and comparing and everything. And as a child, we really don't. 
So when you're creating, try and be a child so that you don't have to worry so much about judging, especially if you're trying to develop a skill. You know, don't worry. It's people always say, oh, you know, um, I've participated in a photo critique. And I was like, oh, well, great. Who 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 did the critique? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I put it on Facebook and my friends all really liked it. I'm like, well, that's not an official critique, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and the thing is, is that, you know, critiques are always it's people are not supposed to stay in in a professional photo critique. People are not supposed to stay. I don't like it. You know, they're supposed to say you need to strengthen your composition. You need to uh, improve the exposure. There's always an instruction of where the growth is. And and that's what it's always about. It's giving people insight for growth. You know, I think if you have this mindset, honestly, I I, I really believe that you're going to have more joy and happiness in your life, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because... Every time I've talked to you, you just always seem pretty happy and upbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I get to be creative all the time, you know, so I'm, 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 I'm pretty good and I get to believe that I'm 29. So, I mean, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So what's in store for the future for you? Well, you know, it's interesting because the COVID has really done, um, an interesting number for me. I was a commercial photographer and a travel photographer. So, you know, not being able to get to destinations to shoot uh, commercially has definitely changed things for me, but it has gotten me to refocus more on my fine art photography. And, um, you know, and I really do enjoy doing the creative consulting work. I mean, all of these things that I'm doing, I, I do, I'm working because I enjoyed work. I've, always been a producer and a creator. So I will work until like I physically cannot work. I just don't know how not to. Um, But I think, you know, I'm definitely just growing on the fine arts um, piece and building my um, portfolio there. It's I, I shoot commercially and periodically I would have like a day off on location that I got to go and shoot just for myself. And so in the past year that I've been grounded because of COVID, I've been able to go through a lot of albums that I hadn't had a chance to develop because I was so busy developing all of my commercial work. Um, So it's been fun actually just going through some old images and and developing those. And I'm getting ready to um, launch my revamped website that's going to have a whole bunch of new work on there. And uh, that's going to be, I mean, that's just been a lot of fun for me to work on that and, and reconnect um, because I haven't been pulling out my camera and doing photo shoots every day like I was for years. Um, it, it was, it's just been fun to like reconnect and, and be reminded like, yes, this is what I truly love so much. Like a camera in my hands is like as natural to me. It's, it's, it's an appendage for me. So um, that piece was great. Uh, I am looking forward to growing the Art Nexus um, collective and just helping artists really understand how to successfully grow their business. Um, A lot of artists have been hit hard with COVID. Galleries shut down, um, exhibits and festivals and things like that shut down. And uh, for many artists, that was the only portal that they had to sell their work. So if you are in an artist community where you 
can access local artists, you know, by all means, please go and support them. Don't buy, you know, mass produced artwork, go buy original art. It's actually very affordable and you are helping support uh, an, an artist um, that right now in these times is in need of being supported. So, you know, definitely getting that message out to people. And then, of course, just being an artist mentor and helping people um, get to their destination a little bit faster than I got to mine. And and being, you know, a connector, if I can help someone get there um, in a stronger, quicker, better way, happy to um, help them on that journey. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for coming on this chat today. I think I've learned a lot. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, you know, I mean... I've, you know me, I dabble in photography, nothing close to what you're You're doing. a great photographer. <laughs> you're beyond dabbling, honey. Yeah, no, you, you do great. I, I love seeing your stuff. I love your adventures. And I mean, I think you, you already embody a lot of what I, I talked about. You just go and, and, and challenge yourself and you're out there uh, trying to connect and grow. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is, you know, challenge yourself. Yeah, and, I, I think so. It's, it's get over the fear of failure. And then, and then learn through either some knowledge techniques and then have a process. I I told that that resonates so much with me. And now like in the world of the internet, I mean, you can like Google so much and, you know, discover like, how do you do this? You know, with cameras, if you're into photography, you know, just pick up something with your manual, all there's so many YouTube videos about your particular camera body. I mean, after this week, I am a YouTube certified plumber. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of great information out there. And I always tell people, go learn one skill, go practice. You know, for me, it's, it's the Nike tag. Just Just do it. Do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Well, Fatima, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and having a chat. I'm sure everybody who listens to this this chat, uh, they're just going to love it. So thank you oh, very good. much. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this chat. If you did, please subscribe. And if you know someone else who may like these types of chats, please share the podcast with them as well. Thanks for listening.